Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today we discuss youth ministry in small churches or small youth groups. We are continuing our series looking at different contexts for youth ministry. And while the gospel of Jesus always stays the same, we know that a congregation's context can change programming, relationship building, and Christian education. So we're going to look at how youth ministries in all these different contexts and talk with practitioners who've experienced caring for young people in these settings. So today we're going to talk specifically about small youth ministries, ones that have, we would say, probably less than, than five youth. Somewhere in that that small is relative, and we'll talk about this in other podcasts as well. But but kind of thinking with that kind of context. So we think one of the hardest things that we have when to help people kind of reframe what the seven practices of healthy youth ministry looks like is that youth ministry can happen in congregations of any size, with any level of resources, and in all sorts of contexts, whether it's urban, suburban, or rural, or in any part of the world. And often congregations believe they can't have youth ministry because they don't have enough teens. But honestly, if you have only one, you can still have a healthy youth ministry for that one young person. You may have to rethink what community building looks like and be intentional about inviting youth into opportunities to learn and serve, but great fruit can come from this effort. I remember sitting with a pastor once and and hearing him talk about how it was just really sad that they didn't have a youth ministry because they really only had three high school teens. And then he went on to describe how he had cared for those young people and surrounded them with supportive adults and how they had given them opportunities to serve and lead and how adults had invited them to the adult Bible study so they could study God's word together and set them up with times to meet with him individually as a part of their confirmation process. And it was just encouraging because because the congregation was really doing excellent right. youth ministry, right. but they, in their own minds, just didn't perceive it as that because they didn't have maybe the size or the number of young people, the number of volunteers, that they sort of had an expectation in their mind. And so it was a really interesting conversation to be able to say, like, no, you're absolutely doing really healthy youth ministry, even if that was not what you pictured youth ministry to be. So today we are going to talk small youth groups with Leah Abel. Leah wrote a chapter in Connected for Life that talked about her experience in a small youth group and developing community and congregations. Leah Abel is a director of Christian education who lives in Denver, Colorado. Leah graduated from Concordia University in Nebraska and spent 11 years serving as a DCE in Florida and another six years serving youth and families in Colorado. She now serves as a project manager and ministry facilitator who serves events like the LCMS Youth Gathering and the National Lutheran Youth Workers Conference, as well as churches and church workers. Leah loves her husband, Scott, who is an LCMS pastor and their wonderful daughter, Amelia. Leah loves great music, cooking, being outdoors, and a great cup of coffee. And I know that's necessary because Leah is one of these strange people I call a morning person. She gets more done before 7 a.m. than I think I get all day long. Leah, welcome to Engels. Thank you. You know, I got to tell you, you're missing out on the morning. It's so good. It's so quiet. And like your mind is still clear because you haven't like, you know, gotten interrupted seven times yet. (laughs) Yeah. So great. Yeah. I love it. Completely agree. We're glad that you're here with us and we got to hear briefly about you in the intro. Some of may have heard of you on the National Lutheran Youth Workers episode, but tell us something about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry and other things that bring you. I really do a lot of 
different things as far as how I serve the church and serve God's people and young people. Now, a lot of it is event kind of stuff. Some of it is helping churches to get healthier in the work that they're doing and to be more intentional about what they do. But it's really interesting that I find myself just as a member of my church, Mm -hmm. even I just I can't get away from the teenagers. I mean, there's just something about that (laughs) moment in life that they're in. And I and I don't actually specifically volunteer with them right now, but there's something about that moment in life and how that shapes you that just I just, it just draws me in. Like I just found myself wanting to sit and talk with those kids and understand where they're at and encourage them along the way. So that's something that I love. Great. Well, one of the things we love to hear from youth ministry leaders is about their junior and senior high year experience. And can you maybe share a little bit, and I, I know you do this in your chapter, certainly, but things about maybe some great times in your life in the church. Can you share for how maybe Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to keep you or bring you close to him or the church? Yeah. So I grew up in small town, Iowa, like on a farm, pigs, corn, the whole deal. And uh, grew up at this, at a, a tiny little church, you know, like, and it looks exactly like you think a tiny little church in Iowa does with like the, it's white on the outside. It's like very one story, little steeple, <laughs> like all of it. And so that's kind of where I grew up. Now I grew up with um, a mom who took us to church and a dad who was not never went to church with us Mm -hmm. and was not involved in that side of life. And so church really for me was like, I don't know, it was like, it was a place I went. It wasn't necessarily a family affair, Mm -hmm. I guess I would say, but it was a place that felt like family. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go with my family necessarily, but when I was there, it always felt like family. And when I think about like my middle and high school years and what really made an impact and made a difference for me. So my little church didn't have a big youth group. There Mm -hmm. weren't like a whole bunch of us. We weren't doing cool stuff. You know, all the time we didn't have a youth room with cool couches, which I really thought every youth group was supposed to have. We didn't have that. And, but what we did have is they had this little fund that they kept Mm -hmm. to send kids to camp. Mm. And so they would send, um, they would pay like a chunk of money for you to go to Camp Idaseka nice, yeah. in the I- Iowa District East Camp, right. I believe is what uh-huh. Idaseka stands for. And so um, they sent me, like, my, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money to, you know, do extra things, but they sent it to like this two or three day camp. And I was like, this is the coolest thing that has ever happened in the history <laughs> world. Like, I loved it. Like, there's like these super cool college kids uh-huh. and we're singing songs, we're playing games, we're outside. It's about Jesus. And like, just, it just, something just made total sense for me. And so for me, that became a highlight of every year, like starting probably, I don't know, somewhere in upper elementary, I'd go for like the short weekend. Mm -hmm. And I can remember in middle school. So I was at a church that we tended to get a lot of either like young pastors coming right out of the seminary, Mm -hmm. like here's your first call Mm -hmm. and they would stay a few years and then they would leave. Or we had pastors who were like, retired. And this was like, okay, I'll do this for like mm-hmm. second retirement for a few years. And mm-hmm. so I saw a lot of pastors mm-hmm. in 18 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. more than probably most, and was in the midst of my middle school year. So confirmation, we had sort of a dual parish. We were sharing a pastor with another guy. There's like two or three different guys that I can remember, pastors mm-hmm. that I remember having during that time. And um, in the midst of that time, went to Camp Idaseka for a summer and had this camp counselor. Her name was Michelle. And Michelle just took time to answer my questions. And I just had all these questions about what about my dad? He doesn't go to church. What about my brother? I mean, like I had all these questions and she just like took time mm-hmm. and invested. And what's so cool to me is that my home church made that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when I went home, even though like the pastoral staff was changing like year in year out, like I knew like all those people like knew and loved me. They taught me in BBS when I was a little mm-hmm. kid and they asked me how camp was and they were excited for me and celebrated with me. And so as I came through like my confirmation, moment. Like I remember that as being a really significant day. Mm -hmm. And I know that not every kid does. I did 17 Mm -hmm. years of youth ministry and some kids are like, you know, 
snore on the actual confirmation day. Mm-hmm. But it really made sense to me. And mm-hmm. I could, I knew that this group of people cared about me and they knew me. Like they knew my parents, they knew my family. It's also a small town. I get mm-hmm. that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But man, it was just, uh, Jesus just made sense. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I know that he had known me and had chosen me in my baptism, you know, from my infant days, but it just clicked for me. And while at school, it was like not a cool thing to be into Jesus, I felt like my church supported me in that. Mm-hmm. And so as I moved into high school, and I still continued to do the camp thing as well in the summers, but it became like a just a really launching moment, I guess, for me. That's great. Fantastic. And you already said you kind of love high schoolers and the things that are happening in that moment. But what do you love specifically about working with young people in your congregation, in your community? Oh, man, I think it's that they're so in that moment of trying to figure out who they are. Like that's their job, right? Mm-hmm. Identity <laughs> formation is what you do as a middle school or middle and high school, or especially high school, maybe. And I think most ad- most adults or many adults either find themselves in like the parent zone or they are like afraid that the kids just think they're annoying. And so we tend to like stay away from them. And the reality is like, if you pay attention, like I always will say a middle schooler, if you will pay attention to a middle schooler and genuinely like them and can convince them that you actually like them because middle schoolers can be annoying, let's be honest, they will do anything for you. Like they will lay down in front of a bus for you if you just convince them that you like them because they just want to know that somebody likes them and thinks they're okay. And so when it comes to like serving with the kids, uh, the students that at our church, I just want to know how they are. Like, just tell me who you really are and take the time to listen is so huge because they aren't really sure. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I think most of the time we aren't great about telling kids what we see in them. And I have a real passion for trying to pay attention to what a kid is good at or what a kid talks about a lot or whatever. And then to say, man, it sounds like you're a really good friend. And people really trust you or, man, I'm really like amazed at how, you know, at how are you able to like put this whole like event together? It, not just like you're good at sports, you're good at art, you're good at, you know, your sh- shirt is pretty, but like noticing what makes them them and just reflecting that to them. Like, I just find that to be so powerful in kids. And then it seems to me like when you reflect that, then they want to come show you or tell you more or like, oh, this yeah. thing happened with my friend at lunch or whatever. And so I love like just those passing conversations I think are so huge. In your chapter on Connected for Life, you talked about a little bit in your introduction to you discussed about growing up in a small congregation, how that was a blessing to you. I wanted you to talk a little bit more about how was that small youth ministry impactful and benefit you as a young person? You know, I think it's because there wasn't like, here's the youth group. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't have this, like, so I always talk about the, like the one-eared Mickey Mouse kind of thing that we do mm-hmm. to youth group. Like the big church is like the head, right? And then you've got the ears and mm-hmm. we sort of like make the youth group an ear that's over here off on the side. And because there wasn't a youth group, that meant that my church treated me like a part of the mm-hmm. church. They knew me. So, I mean, I could, you know, Mart Hillers, who I knew since I was born, who'd like <laughs> always walk up to me. He's this great big burly guy. And he'd always come up to me, how are you, young lady? You know, and his he's, his hands shaking and his coffee spilling all over him while he's talking to me. Or Greta Bond, if we used to call G, and she let me, like she was like this old lady and she let me call her G, which I thought was great. But like they knew me. And so we had a, so it's this little tiny church, basically not a town, but there was a truck stop, like a uh, gas station uh-huh. that was, you know, a block away because that's how big the town was. And so we would sometimes, like instead of Sunday school, because like, you know, three kids showed up, maybe, or maybe one, we would walk down to the truck stop and like the teachers, like the leader types, whoever's supposed to be doing high school youth would just come with us and we would just sit and talk. Mm-hmm. Or like my mom and a couple other people from church would come and I would sit and listen to them and kind of hear them talk about, you know, church and what they're thinking about what the pastor said, or we're losing this pastor and what do we do mm-hmm. next and kind of mm-hmm. being a part of that. But because they couldn't 
relegate us to the mm-hmm. youth room, if you will, mm-hmm. or like they're oh they're their own thing. We don't want to like bother them. Mm-hmm. They treated us like part of them, and and it's interesting to me having like gone from that growing up that way to I served a large congregation in Florida. And we were always trying to get small, like mm. through this big group. <laughs> right. And we spent all of our energy <laughs> trying to get the kids like small and connected and, and to get the rest of the congregation to treat them like a part of it versus, oh, there's the youth group and they've got their thing and we don't want to be annoying to them. It's just so interesting. And then the small church is always like trying to be like, you know, this, the, but we want to have all the things that the big church is doing. When the reality is like, I just want to know that you care about me, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I just want to be. I want to be a part. I want to be your brother or sister in Christ. And, you know, not that I could have said that as a 12 or 13 year old, you know, like, well, I just want, this is what I want. I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew that they knew me Mm -hmm. and I knew that they cared about me and that they, you know, there's two schools, of course, where I grew up. And so how was the football game on Mm -hmm. Friday night or Mm -hmm. how did your speech meet go or whatever? Mm -hmm. And they asked those questions because they knew enough to ask because there wasn't all that distance of either you're off doing your own thing as a youth group or we're so big that we don't know. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this series in part is because there is a lot of that like, oh, I'm just looking at other churches and I wish I had, or I I can't believe we can't do whatever and mm-hmm. and not paying attention to the to the powerful ways you can care for young people in whatever context you're in. Uh and in your chapter, you talk about how even small congregations could support youth ministry um, in lots of ways. You talk about it being integrated well, but also financially and through attention and support. Why do you think those things are important? I think it says you matter. You know, like if if maybe there's not a youth room, right? I thought that we should have like a room with couches because that's what other, you know, cool churches had or something, which we didn't. But they paid attention. And when we decided, so we had this Janet Fisher. So Janet was, oh, she was probably like my parents' age. And I'd never heard of like a national youth gathering. I don't know what that was. And I was a freshman, I think, in high school. And Janet was like, I heard about this thing and I want to go do it. Let's take some kids. And so Janet like just went for it. Like she's so cool. And actually, here's the greatest thing. Janet was not cool. Okay. Like Janet was not cool. She didn't dress cool. She wasn't cool, but she was like, let's just do it. We literally like, she drives her own like caravan, like the big brown, like ugly, like vans from like the 80s or like, this was the nineties, but basically the eighties and just like loaded up. And what was so great is she's like said to the congregation, like, Hey, I want to take these kids. Will you help me do it? And then we did like fundraisers. We served pancakes for rag rye, which is this like Iowa bicycle thing. Yeah. Um, and, and like, and it wasn't just Janet and the kids going, like the church helped make that yeah, happen. Yeah. And we sold um, Colorado peaches. And so we'd Yo. like buy the lug and like everybody from church, like bought boxes of these peaches. I don't know what they did with them. <laughs> they had to have like just chopped them up and frozen them or shipped them. I don't know. But people just stepped up and it said like, we care about you. Now, did our church service like look cool with like youthy guitars and amps and things? No, it did not. Mm-hmm. Like, we had an organ and a tiny little church and it was super traditional, but it's, but they, cared about us like they wanted to do something and so when you put your money where your mouth is you know buy the donut like don't don't say you know this, this fundraiser they're doing i don't really care about well just give them money or or even put money in your budget that says this matters mm-hmm. right if you yep. can't afford to hire a dce or something that's okay how can you invest because if you want these kids to know like i love the title of this podcast the end goal right like if you want these kids to know jesus not just now but for a lifetime like the the goal is not like help make nice kids that's not the goal. 
The goal is kids who know Jesus forever and make Jesus known in the world. And so if you can help them to know Jesus in any way, you know, or send like the one mom who's offered to teach Sunday school, get buy her some resources or send her to a conference mm-hmm. or hook her up with a, a DCE like, you know, or, or you know, someone like from the youth ministry office and just connect them and say, like, this matters enough to invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want you to say a little bit more about that because it can be difficult for a youth leader who is serving where there may be only a few teens to feel connected with other youth workers or to know where those resources are. So what are ways that youth leaders can connect and support and be encouraged in their service? So I think the first place, that, well, two places I'd say to connect first. One is, I mean, you're listening to this podcast, so obviously you know that we have a youth ministry office, but to make a connection there to say, hey, I'm looking for somebody near me. Can you help me? Or connect with your your district. Find out what churches are near you. Go to lcms.org, the little locator thing, and do like a 100-mile radius. And honestly, I can think of times when I was a DCE serving a congregation that, you know, mom, youth worker, you know, slash Sunday school teacher from Tiny Little Church X called and was like, can you just help me? Like, I just have some questions. Absolutely. I care about teenagers. <laughs> I don't care yeah. about like like having this cool program. Like I want kids to know Jesus and I want to help you. And people really are willing to help. You know, there's ways some districts or some um, small like circuits have get togethers with DCEs and youth workers and volunteer youth workers. I've been a part of those in a couple of districts where we it wasn't just people who had like a job role for that. Another thing that I think is interesting kind of approach is to simplify that. And we've all learned to use Zoom. And so find somebody who maybe gets your context and like see if you can set up almost like a coaching or mentoring thing. Hey, can we connect once a month? Or can I send you prayer requests? Or can you, you know, send me your three best Bible studies and just find someone to walk with you? And if you're having trouble finding that person, like I said, call your district and just say, hey, who's great that I could start with? And they can maybe send you in a direction. I just think that's a huge, huge piece. So you talked a little bit earlier about how help, how small youth groups get really integrated into the life of the church. What are some of the other benefits you see about having kind of that small youth ministry? The relationships between the kids themselves. So you have a big youth group. You spend tons of time on community and relationship building because you have to, mm-hmm. right? When you have a small group, it's more like family. <laughs> you just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, Bobby is stinky and doesn't know how to take a shower, you know, often enough. Or Susan is just can be really loud sometimes. But just like in your family, you know each other well and there's no running away from each other. <laughs> but then you also learned I'm accepted here no matter what. And I know like I, I don't want to downplay. I know that that's hard because in a big youth group, I can find people like me maybe. Right. And so then what happens in those groups mm-hmm. is they kind of break off into like their mini groups. Mm-hmm. In a small group, I can't maybe find people like me, but this is the body of Christ people. Like the point is not that we would find people more like us by going to church, mm-hmm. but that we would be the body of mm-hmm. Christ mm-hmm. and that we show the love of Christ. So I think that there's power in that. You do still have to do some community building and getting to know each other. But I think there's a simpler, there's a simplicity in that and that you're not trying to meet everybody, you know, favorite this or favorite that. Like, what do you have in common? It's more like we have Jesus in common so we don't get so wrapped up in all the other things that we don't. I mean, I think another reality of youth ministry now is when I was a teenager, pretty much everybody listened to the same music Mm -hmm, because you turn on the radio and that's what you listened Mm -hmm, to. mm -hmm. Everybody watched the same shows because even if you had cable there was only like five good channels and I did not have cable friends. So, but, but now, I mean, there are 137 Spotify mm-hmm. channels and YouTube and everything else. And so you don't have some of that like commonality across the board. And so I think kids are actually pretty okay 
with people being different than them and trying to find a way to connect because trying to connect exactly with their thing. Mm -hmm. Or I think that feeling of we have to have the cool, like hip youth worker. I mean, literally Greta was like, in my mind, part of why I'm sitting here today. Mm -hmm. She wasn't cool or young or hip. Mm -hmm. She had never heard of any of the music I listened to, I'm pretty sure, Mm -hmm. nor was she perfect. And that is what mattered more. Like, I want someone to care about me. And I will put up with a lot of your nerdiness Mm -hmm. or your Mm -hmm. being out of touchness. And I think the other possibility, and this is a thing that I wish that adults could see, is that you have so much opportunity to learn about who teenagers are by asking teenagers about themselves. Mm. Don't go Google it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can, I guess, but like if you spent your time saying, tell me what it feels like to be a junior in high school right now. Like, what is that like? Mm -hmm. How do you think that's different than it was 10 years ago or five years ago? Because Mm -hmm. it is changing. Mm -hmm. Let them tell you, you know, like that's just a huge way, I think, for us to really get to know kids and for them to feel heard and for you to actually understand an actual kid, not some stereotypical version that you saw on TV or that you remember from when you were a kid because it's just changing. Mm -hmm. And getting to know young people in that way, there's often ways you get to learn more about their gifts, the things that get them excited, the ways they want to be used vocationally and connect with people. So in that, you can often find ways for them to maybe lead or serve. Maybe what are some things you think from a small church perspective mm-hmm. that you can engage young people in that opportunity to lead I and serve? I mean, there's so many. I mean, we a lot of times think about like kid stuff, right? Because it's active. Like ask them if they'll do crafts for VBS. Mm-hmm. Or we used to do like fellowship hall. We had like this little kitchen, you know, like the ugly green carpet and the little the little things that you would close to close out mm-hmm. the kitchen. Uh, and we would, they would have us do the dishes. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Lee, will you come in here and help me do the dishes? Sure. You know, and, and just like those little pieces. But I remember as, I think it was after my freshman year in college. So I ended up at Concordia Seward, which is a whole other, I don't know how that even happened, but it did. <laughs> um, and that, we wouldn't be sitting here now if it hadn't. But when I came back that freshman year, I was like, do you think that I could teach a Bible study? And they let me teach like the whole summer Bible study. We did an intergenerational Bible study. So it was like adults and kids. There were pretty much no kids. I was pretty much the kid there, to be honest. But (laughs) they like totally let me do it Mm -hmm. and like just joined in. It was amazing. Um, You know, I think sometimes we think, well, should I have to give them a job? Like you do the Mm -hmm. whole like, let's get the youth group to rake the leaves Mm -hmm. or, you know, set up for Christmas or whatever. And that's great. But if instead you can think, how can I get the students, the kids connected to adults who know Jesus? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, a life of knowing Jesus and following him more, it looks more like an apprenticeship than anything else. And if I can find other people who've been walking with Jesus longer than me who can help me when it gets hard, like that's huge. So if you can connect them with people like that, even if they don't seem like the kind of people who are going to like want to hang out, (laughs) you know, like let them do that together. And it could be, you know, have them come help plan the Christmas program. Or I mean, I know there are churches that are like, have, have students who sit on boards, which mm-hmm. I think is okay. I, I will personally say I'd rather see you put them alongside someone doing, because I think mm-hmm. that's probably more effective relationship time than sitting in and watching if a trustees meeting gets ugly. I don't know if that's always <laughs> the best way to, I mean, not that they always do, but, but yeah, just give them opportunity to serve and put them alongside somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's such a cool way to let them grow in that, in their, in their relationship with Jesus, but also like to understand what does a Christian life look like 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. Cause that's the goal right. that you're still a Christian 20 years from now right. and not just for right now while you're living at home with mom and dad. You've done a great job of kind of helping us think through like a lot of the really positives of having a small youth group. Are there some unique struggles that having that small youth group might bring? Yeah. I mean, I think the flip side of you just have to deal with each other is you just have to deal with each other when you're a small group. I mean, like, you know, or you do the, hey, let's have a, 
you know, let's go to this hayride or something that someone's putting on and then two people show up. That's awkward. Or if you're the leader and you have one kid show up, then you have to decide, do I put this kid in my car or not from like a, a risk standpoint? Although the nice thing about a small group is you probably know their parents, which might make that all easier. But it is hard because you don't have like there's also that weird number when you're somewhere between like five and like 15 where you're like, we can't really play capture the flag. We could maybe play Monopoly. And you're like, you're trying to like, and you're planning as a youth leader or as a parent volunteer or whatever to do one thing. And then if not all five show up, you can't do it. So that's hard. That is really a challenge. And you also have the reality of if it's, let's say it's volleyball season and, you know, Veronica has volleyball now, so she can't make it on Tuesday nights for the next two months. Do we change that? I mean, on the one hand, you might have some flexibility to make those changes, but you kind of you have to be a little bit more ready to do that because otherwise, you know, half your youth group, if you will, is gone. Whereas if it's a group of 30 and two kids are gone, it doesn't feel like as big a deal. We want to talk about, obviously, there's uh, looking at those different pieces with strengths and weaknesses. Uh, in general, if you're sitting now, you get to talk to congregations and, and church workers along the way, talk about youth ministry and other aspects of ministry too. Uh, what are ways that youth ministries can capitalize on their size, big or small, to care for young people? I know we're talking about small, but a church I served in Florida for a while that was a bigger church. And one of the things I found there in a bigger church is sometimes certain kids just kind of got lost in it because mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. big and whatnot. And what was always amazing is if I could if I could figure out a way, maybe youth group and like the whole like hanging out with other teenagers was just not a good spot for that kid. But if I could find a way for that kid to connect with another adult elsewhere. So maybe mm-hmm. like we used to do this like Wednesday night family education night and there was a meal and whatever. And I found this this one kid who I would send into the kitchen. He was like, he, had, he struggled with ADD and some mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. And he went to the kitchen and Chef Scott taught him how to like chop things properly and knife skills and all these kind of things. And just really took him under his wing and spent time with him. That gave him a place to be. So I, I think when you're a large church, you have to find ways to notice the small. Mm-hmm. And I was always worked really hard at having um, small group stuff. Like, so I'd have, you know, maybe two adult leaders for every 10 kids. These are your kids, spend a lot of time together. So you're always breaking down to that smaller thing. I think when you have a small church and you're trying to figure out, well, how do I, I guess, program the year? Do mm-hmm. we do an, a fun event every week or do we just do Sunday school? And I say just, but, but that hour of like having Sunday school And that consistency, I think, is huge. I think my overall piece would be how can you be more consistent for kids Mm -hmm. in the lives of kids? Whether that means we're, you know, we're a group of four in our youth group. Let's all go watch Bill play football on Tuesday or on Friday night, I think probably matters the most. And so if you can find ways to find kids where they are, but to be as consistent as you can, I just think that that's the biggest thing. And whether it's a big, great big church and we have this every Wednesday night's our thing, or if it's, we are consistently going to do Sunday morning or Sunday night, or we're always going to meet for somebody's event once a week um, or once a month, just be consistent because it shows kids that you're going to show up. Mm. Mm-hmm. and that you're going to be there if things get ugly. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing uh, both about your experience and about how we care for young people and uh, some great insights there. So thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really feel like small youth groups seems like uh, a little... Uh, hard to pin down in terms of what does that actually mean, but important for us to talk about because there are just a lot of youth groups that are smaller, right? They're they're regularly seeing five or less young people, and I think there is 
sort of that can be really disheartening, mm-hmm. right? For lay leaders and for professionals even who really want to care for young people who are passionate about that age group, who know how critical and important it is to the to all of their development, but including their faith development, and who just aren't sure that really even qualifies as youth ministry mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to come back and say, absolutely it does. And it can be done really well. And it, you can have healthy youth ministry, even if, yeah, some Sundays you're only having two kids show mm-hmm. up or three kids show up and it can be done uh, in a way that really can resonate in their lives throughout the rest of their lives. Yep. And and have healthy youth ministry too. When, you know, Leah's church, for example, a lot of small churches can have a lot of transition with pastoral leadership and other things in different contexts. And so where the body of Christ comes together, keeps that consistency, keeps investing in young people, keeps them connected to the church, are those, uh, you know, as we say, uh, warm people who keep inviting them and caring for them in a lot of different ways. And so where, again, brothers and sisters in Christ can come together for the good of young people and do healthy youth ministry and children's ministry and ministry to one another as the body of Christ. And what an example that sets for for young people, which is a beautiful thing. I love this this piece that small youth groups have of, of being super integrated in the life of the church, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and to lean into that as a strength, right? right? Not to be disappointed that you can't be functioning mm-hmm. independently with the youth room mm-hmm. and with all sorts mm-hmm. of activities, mm-hmm. but to lean into that integration, lean into the relationships that provides and the ways that that allows every young person in your church mm-hmm. to be really well known and well cared for. We don't necessarily always see this as much maybe in LCMS data, or feedback because we do have a lot of smaller churches, but you know certainly we know in the broader youth ministry realm there's this struggle of how do we bring high school students to being like adults in the church, if you will, post high school graduation because they can sometimes be like Leah said, be that Mickey Mouse ear outside the body of Christ. Where in a small church, they that never happens. They never see themselves apart from being a, a valued member of the body of Christ. And so that transition isn't necessary. You don't have to think that through. They always see themselves as that and they just naturally see that progression. That's what it looks like to be an adult, to hear those conversations at the truck stop about what do we do next now? Uh, we're out of, without a pastor. What do we do? And so to be able to say like, oh, I can handle this. I saw these adults work through this um, and see how the body of Christ continues to work and, and share the faith with the next generation. So some closing questions for you. Maybe you're in this small youth ministry context or, or maybe you aren't, but some things for you to consider either way. First, uh, and we've asked this before, what young person are you talking to this week? And what adult are you encouraging to talk with young people? Second question, how are you financially resourcing your youth ministry regardless of size? And finally, how can you listen, know the young people in your church, and give them opportunities to serve and lead? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you care for young people in youth ministries of many contexts and many sizes, as you seek to help them towards that end goal of knowing Jesus Christ and sharing him with others for life. Engel's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youthministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.